You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been cleared for takeoff. And welcome to Alouette's Flight Deck, podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouette's football. I am Tim Capper, along with that, the tattoo to my Mr. Rourke, Cliffy D. <laughs> de plain, de plain. <laughs> Although, Actually, wait, a minute, I'm ta- wait a minute, I'm taller than you. How the hell did you, how, why am I tattooed? <laughs> Actually, for you this week, I would, say, I would say the train, the train, but you're not taking the train, you're driving to the game, aren't you? Uh, yeah, I was thinking about going on the, the fan train, but uh, yeah, no, I... I don't know. That's nah, just nah. <laughs> and, and by the way, how can I call you tattoo? Well, I'm I'm the host. <laughs> so fair enough. <laughs> uh, man, just, speaking just of a funny guy with the one-liners, I so. know. Speaking of fantasies, <sighs> we're hoping. We're just hoping. Um, there really wasn't anything that that happened. This really news-wise, player-wise, nothing. It was you know we talked about. Them being a cone of silence for most of the uh, for most of the bye weeks that the Owls have had, and this this really was a quiet quiet bye week. It really just got kind of uh, usurped or you know got going with the, those announcements and those teasers from the from the team and those jerseys that the that the Alouettes are going to be wearing. Yeah, no, just a pretty quiet week, uh, personnel wise, transaction wise. Uh, a couple of small little ads and drops here and there on the the roster, but uh, yeah, I, the big news uh, really this week for the LOS is uh, yeah the teasing of uh, new uniforms that uh, and a possible rebranding that this team has supposedly been a long time coming. Uh, kind of took me by surprise because uh, yeah, you're the one I, who sent me the the the, uh, the text with the actual front page of the uh, the uh, Van Cat uh, magazine. Yeah, uh, of all things, like just the, uh, the the tiny little throwaway papers that you get if you take the metro, and normally that's what I do. Is I well, I don't even bother taking them to be honest with you, but uh, I just happen to look and I'm like, is that Hinoch Mwamba? And what the hell kind of what the <laughs> hell kind of jersey is this? And I look a little closer. I'm like, oh my word, I. No, nah, no, nah, it couldn't be. And then that's why, yeah, I had to, I had to text you the photo. I'm like, yeah. I, have you seen this? Yeah, and then, I, hadn't, I hadn't seen it. And then, then we got the news from the Alouettes themselves. They put out a couple of uh, of videos um, talking about what the the advertisements and the teasers that uh, the other teasers that they have at the uh, McGill Metro Station, which I went by and I, uh, I I sent out via social media, which got uh, some pretty good uh, pretty good uh, uh, t- uh, traction. Um, and uh, those same two players, uh, you know, Stanbeck being one of them, and who, uh, who was the other one? The um, Jean Gabriel Poulet. Yeah, uh, both of they had the Alouettes put out a, a uh, put out another video of them going to saying go to the go to the Metro and check these things out, and so it's and but the Alouettes have promised more teasers, but and I, we were all wondering, it's like why you know all this thing February first to third. I'm thinking, as I said on social media, it's like is it February yet? 
<laughs> yeah. And the one thing I couldn't help but notice is like that's Super Bowl weekend. Like yeah. you're going to de- you're going to debut New Jersey's uh, during the offseason. That's fine. There's no problem with that, but to do it during Super Bowl weekend, I mean that's I said it that that's bold. I mean, I I don't know. Like that's it's going to get people talking. I For mean, sure. I, I'm I'm looking forward to them. I'm I'm intrigued. And as I've said, same thing on social media. And I've talked to you already too. And I'm already like, here, take my money. I, I want one. <laughs> I, I I you know I've always said that I wasn't a very big fan of the current uh, version of the Alouettes uh, uniforms with the big Alouettes across the front and stuff like that. And but this this oh these look really nice. And just you know now now we got to find out what's on these helmets and then. Uh, the new branding and, you know, what this team is, what the new Alouettes are going to be looking like as far as logo-wise and stuff like that. So it's um, it, it, it should be fun. And uh, what we can also say, too, is you need to make sure that you stay tuned to our interview with TSN's Matthew Shinetti. And he actually shed a little bit more light, surprisingly, just out of the blue, he mentioned this to us, about the about these uniforms and where they could have been at this time of the year if things had gone better for the Alouettes. So stay tuned for his interview. It'll be in a couple of moments. Uh, great guy to talk to. And we obviously it's uh, stay tuned for that. Um, what uh, what was your what was your your take uh, on these things? Because, you know, I, I you know, I know you when it comes to what you like to wear when it comes to sporting stuff like that. And uh, and you're pretty vocal when it comes to uh, uniforms that they're garbage or or whatnot. Or what what's your, what was your first take? I guess when you saw not only when you saw the first picture from Hinakamuamba, but when you went over to uh, tujagame.ca to see the uh, uh, see the full picture of them, and then the the pictures at the that I tweeted out from uh, from the McGill Metro. Oh man, like I said, it was just such a shock to the system because you're right. We we've been accustomed to the current set of uniforms for the past uh, several years to be honest with you i mean there's been little tweaks here and there and you know the addition of the the word alouettes to the uh, uh, to the the home jersey which is something that jim pop had been pushing for for a long time when he was the general manager in here in montreal and he finally got that so to see just a complete almost 180 as far as the color scheme goes and that and again it's got a lot of people really talking and for the first time in a long time, some actual positive buzz about the Alouettes. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes that's all it takes is just a complete, you know, shock to the system, if you will, to just get everybody sort of talking. And now people are buzzing. Now people are really curious as to how the Alouettes are going to look come 2019. It's like, well, you're getting a little tease of it. And the Twitter account of the Alouettes themselves has even said, we're going to be teasing out some more stuff. So stay tuned. Like they want to keep people engaged and yep. interested, which is great. Yeah. And, as soon as I mentioned, I couldn't help but mention it on social media myself on my Twitter account. Is like, why Super Bowl weekend? And they kind of replied back to me. It's like, well, what about a Super Bowl party? I'm like, well, listen, if the Alouettes are going to host a Super Bowl party, I'm even more intrigued now. Especially if you're going to, if, if in addition to the big game itself, which is always an interesting thing. If you're going to be now debuting these brand new uniforms and you're going to do it on a public stage that weekend, I tell you what, folks, and, my and, interest my interest is officially peaked. Oh yeah, and I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. And, and they did, and it's over not just one day, Cliff, as they, as they mentioned. You know, they said launching February first through third, so it's not just a one day thing. So it really it it really does make me wonder what they're going to be doing. By the way, 
just if anybody had been wondering, the original incarnation of the current Alouettes jerseys that we have now, they were launched in 1999 as our alternate jersey. I bet people didn't know that. Yeah, and then they became our full-time jersey in uh, in 2000. And as I said, there's been little tweaks along the way here and there, especially with uh, uniform companies changing hands, becoming the official suppliers of jersey suppliers of the Canadian Football League. Mm-hmm. So you've seen little little tweaks here and there, but uh, I mean, it's been pretty much the, the standard uniform now for, like I said, a, a better part of uh, almost years. two. Yeah, a better part of two two decades practically. Yeah. So. Uh, I, for a lot of people have been wa- wanting the Alouettes to go back to the the Delta logos or go back to those uh, jerseys from the '70s that we saw in 2010. Uh, people also love the uh, the classic jerseys from the '60s mm. era with the winged helmets. So I mean, obviously it was time for a change with Montreal and their uniforms. And like I said, this kind of just up and smacked you in the face. Like like I said, I was not expecting to be. Finding out this via, uh, like I said, it's like a, a little daily newspaper. But yeah. lo and behold, here we are. The Alouettes are now getting everybody talking. I'm talking literally everyone now has seen these teaser photos, and they're again they they want more. They want to know more. So this is really a really exciting thing. This has potential to be huge, especially too based on what we talked about with Matthew Schnetti, which we'll get to shortly. Mm-hmm. Just from what he told us, and what he'll eventually tell the rest of you, good listeners. I tell you what, I mean, you you cannot help but just feel excited. I know they're just uniforms, but my gosh, this this could be the start of something big here in Montreal. Yeah, and you know, as I said, there's still a lot to be left. What the new logo? What the helmets are going to look like? Because right now, it, it, it that, just the picture of uh, with uh, Hinek Mwamba with the with his helmet on. We have no clue what it is. There's some sort of red outline, but the thing is, is that photoshopped in any way not to give anything away? Time will tell. Yeah. Time will tell. Yeah. So you know, obviously, keep keep up to date with the uh, with the Alouettes uh, social media accounts. And um, hey, if you have a chance to go, come out to that party, I'm sure it's going to be one or whatever's going to happen those, for those three days. They've piqued our interest already. So it's uh, you know, it's it's a good way they do this now. They piqued our interest for the rest of the season. And uh, you know, uh, but as I said, a couple more games left in the se- a couple more games left in the season. So. Uh, there is a little bit more to, to talk about um, before we get to the our interview with Matthew Shinetti. It was uh, it was announced today because he spoke with RDS today that our court, current quarterback Johnny Menzel said that he is going to uh, honor his second year of the contract and he's not going to be going over to the AAL to the AAF um, and the amounts that of money that we were talking before because I know a couple weeks ago we were uh, we were talking to Tanner Marsh. Uh, it's very close to what we were thinking, uh, what he was thinking that he was going to be getting. So he can make just, you know, to start, I think is $200,000 and, and another $175,000 in incentives just for 2019. Uh, I think, but just overall, Cliff, I think it's good to hear that he's going to be staying with the Alouettes and at least we'll have some sort of of stability, so to speak. With, it looks like we're going to have our, the same three or four quarterbacks that we've had uh, at least for the last half of the season. So... Um, it's good to see that Johnny Football is gonna gonna stay stay in Alouette at least for 2019. Well, as as you said, it does speak to the stability, which is something that's been again we, we've talked about ad nauseum the clown car, the quarterback clown car that's been the Alouettes for the past few years. And say what you will about Johnny Manziel, you either love him or you hate him. I, I really don't think there's a whole lot of in between when it comes to him. He's a very polarizing figure here in Montreal and pretty much in football in general, but. He's committed to the Alouettes for 2019. 
I think there's a big part of him that still wants to prove to everybody who's watching him that he is that guy that we expected him to be. So this is going to be, again, his chance to really prove that. Like this, You can make all the excuses as to why things didn't go quite as planned for 2018, but that's all out the window. Come 2019, if he's coming into training camp with the right attitude, with the right mindset, and ready to truly lead this team back to at least respectability, because that's been a big key right now, is there is no respectability when it comes to the Montreal LOS for any number of reasons. But if you're bringing back a Johnny Manziel who is coming in hungry and wants to win, that's half the battle right there as mm-hmm. far as I'm concerned. Uh, again, it's going to be key to see what happens in free agency, whether th- this team adds more pieces to it. And also that's what's going to be so important is finding the right pieces to go along with it. Like this offensive line needs an overhaul. Uh, receivers, uh, I think some more work needs to be done there too. I mean, there's a lot of things that need to be improved upon to really make Johnny Manziel the star that he, that like I said, everybody expects him to be. So yeah. I think that's going to be key. That's going to be one of the keys for if it's going to be Kavis Reed who's going to be sticking around as general manager. Uh, that's going to be priority number one is to build the best possible football team to help out Johnny Manziel. And not just Johnny Manziel, but also the other quarterbacks that are part of this team as well. Because mm-hmm. Manziel is guaranteed for 2019. We get that. Beyond that, who the heck knows? So you got to be always looking towards the future and looking to improve this team by any means necessary. So that's going to be key for Cavus Reed and pretty much the entire organization is to build the best possible team. But now with Manziel, you know he's going to be here for 2019. you got to help. You, this is your superstar. This is the guy you're, you're putting all your eggs in his basket. Then you, you better make sure that bas- basket is ready to support him. And in turn, he's going to deliver. He's going to have to deliver. If he wants to really prove to everybody that he's not that quarterback that we thought he was, but he's actually a better version of it, this is this is the opportunity. This is now officially a proving ground. Now he's got he, – he, he's talked the talk. Now he's got to walk the walk, and yeah. so do the Alouettes. Yeah, and that's – that's a lot of eggs. Two hundred thousand eggs. That's a lot of eggs. Um, but yeah, it, it's it seems that he wants to stay a little bit up here. He wants to keep in contact. I mean, it's it's good to see. I mean, it, it may be all talk for all we know, but I mean, it's at least it comes off as being sincere. So uh, again, it's it's it can't be anything but I think a positive for the Alouettes to at least know that he is gonna stay and, and not try to get out of his last year of his contract now what will happen after that 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 you know there were rumors of of a of a of an extension but we'll have to see what happens in the off season so we'll watch we'll just to see how he does for the last couple of games of the season um well and again if he's if he's serious and what a lot of people remember saying is like they expect him to take the route that doug flutie did like he came up here he had to prove himself and he put in a good number of years before going back to the NFL. And right. a lot of people think that Johnny Manziel could do the exact same thing. Well, this, again, this is his chance to prove that he can do that. If he can, if he's not looking past this league, if he's still thinking about NFL, that's not going to happen. But if he's really, truly committed to, while he's here in Montreal, to becoming the best possible quarterback for this team, I can only see the positive in it. If he's willing to put the work in, if he's willing to do everything he can to be the best Canadian Football League quarterback that Johnny Manziel can be, I, I I don't see any negative to that. I I want to see what this guy can do, and if he can lead this team back to, as I said, just respectability. No, you don't have to win the Grey Cup. That'd be nice. That'd be an awesome thing to do. I think at this point, though, realistically, if he can get this Alouettes team from being the laughing stock 
of the Canadian Football League to back to just a level of, hey, this team isn't so bad after all. This this team is this team's a little bit competitive. They can they can do stuff. Yeah, that to me would be the biggest win in Johnny Manziel's football career. Yeah, I'd rather I want to go from laughing stock to a to a little bit of a chuckle to a cheer. So let's maybe we can jump two steps by the end of the season. As I said, you know, the first step is get win number four. But we'll we'll talk about that more. Uh, in the second half of the show. But uh, as we mentioned uh, earlier in the show, we were able to speak with Matthew Shinetti from TSN, talk about his career, talk about the CFL, and talk about the Alouettes. And uh, when we finish the interview, uh, we will talk about the upcoming game versus the Toronto Argonauts. Uh, we got a special guest with us this week. Uh, Al's may have been coming off of a bye week, but we still wanted to talk about the CFL so on the line with us now is the king of kicks, the sultan of shoes, the champion of chucks, and the ace of laces, Matthew Shinetti with TSN. How are you? That's the greatest introduction I've ever had. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, I feel I need to pay you after that introduction. <laughs> I think, you know, I think what everybody wants to know first, um, we know you've been with TSN since 2013, right? Yes, I have. Okay. When did you, We everybody wants to know about the chucks. I mean, you got a great you have a, I love the way you dress. I love how you, you promote everything on social media and everything like that. But where did the idea about the, about the Chuck Taylors come from? Uh, the story is uh, one that has kind of become part of just my makeup. The fact is I've been wearing Chucks probably for the last, uh, I would say probably the last 10, 11, 12 years. Um, you know, when I was growing up, I always wanted to wear a pair of Converse. Uh, don't, I can't explain why I didn't, but when I, my dad was actually given a pair of Converse as a gift. And he said, well, these aren't for my feet. I have high arches. So, you you know, I have flatter, wider feet. And so I put them on and it just, it just seemed to suit me. And my, the pair I've had the most, I think I've had three or four or five pairs of red chucks. And TSM, when I came on originally, I got hired in December of 2012, uh, started officially in January. And what they kind of do is they take you through this whole uh, style um, kind of boot camp and, for anyone who wants to see what I used to look like, the person who runs uh, the Wax Shinetti um, parody account actually has my, and they showed it last week on the broadcast, the, uh, the Argos broadcast is the photo, my headshot when I used to work for the National Post, in which I look very different. And when TSN put me through their whole style consulting, um, they, uh, they went ahead and they bought me a suit and bought me a pair of... Um, uh, Ted Baker shoes, which are not inexpensive shoes. And I, I picked up my suits, which had to be altered. And it was in a corner of a street in downtown Toronto. And on the night, it was my first uh, assignment with uh, covering, I believe it was the Leafs and Devils game. And so I picked up my suit, had everything from the stylist, uh, put my shoes down on the curb, got in my car, drove away, and drove away without the Ted Baker shoes because I ended up leaving them on the side of the road. Yeah. So I got to the Air Canada Center, or what used to be called the Air Canada Center, and I said, well, I have a black suit, I know I have a red tie, and I have my red chucks. So I ended up wearing them. Uh, and it just, for me, kind of, it was a little awkward because, you know, you never really, it's, you kind of see it now, it's more of a style thing, but, you know, back then, six, seven years ago, it wasn't typically something people wore. Um, and then... I, uh, an executive with the New Jersey Devils, not named Lou Lamorello, uh, saw me, looked, gave me an up-down look, uh, and obviously my red tie pointing down to my red chucks, and threw me such shade. He just was not having it. And from that moment on, I said, I'm going to wear these all the time. <laughs> because 
because it's just, it's who I am. It speaks to who I am. And, um, and really I have felt more comfortable on air wearing my shoes, um, you know, kind of being that peacock, uh, in terms of style. Cause it's just, it suits my personality because at the end of the day, I understand that, listen, TV is fun. Uh, but sometimes some of my colleagues might take themselves a little too seriously on the whole point of, you know, who I am, my personality is I never take myself too seriously. Yeah. So it, it's all about having fun. Um, and you're, you're quite right. The question I get asked the most is how many do you have? Yeah. How many colors do you have? And, uh, you know, the count is, uh, you know, we're, we're hovering, we're, we're at 60 now, hoping to get to 61 because my, uh, my converse for the, uh, the Grey Cup in Edmonton are uh, will be in production. Will be uh, will be coming together in uh, a few days. So um, I'm gonna have something special for the Grey Cup in Edmonton. And if anybody watches your your social media, account, especially on Instagram, it, it's like a, a cliffhanger each week. You're deciding which shoes you're gonna wear. You're pulling them off your what, wow. What do you call the uh, the wall of shoes? Do you have a name for that thing? Well, well, it's funny because you actually uh, called me as I was doing that and, and selecting my shoes for the week. And uh, I was looking at my rack and, and thinking about uh, the, the pink shoes I was going to be wearing. Uh, there's no longer um, CFL Pink Week has, has kind of been replaced by uh, uh, Family Day and uh, really uh, kind of an amalgamation of causes that, the, that each team has uh, earlier on in the season. And uh, but I have two pairs of pink chucks, so um, because I have an excess of shoes, uh, I used to keep them underneath my bed. And as the collection was growing and growing, my dad went to me. My dad and I kind of put our heads together, and my dad was like, "Well, why don't we just kind of hang them from the wall?" And we, and he uh, uh, kind of developed this system that everyone sees now on social media, where it's just basically a, a, a nice board of uh, plywood that uh, has been stained with some dowels in it, and. Uh, Although, you know, my girlfriend, God bless her, uh, when she first came into my apartment uh, last winter, kind of looked around and was like, the first thing she said when she looked around, she kind of was like, oh, okay, so do you own any other pairs of shoes? <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, again, the, my personality has, has been and will always be when it comes to the things that I like, the things that are, are a part of who I am. I'm all in on them, head first in the deep end. So uh, it's it, the um, the display boards, maybe you can call them, are really a part of my personality and kind of a fun art piece in my uh, in my condo. I, I I will admit you you have a hell of a style, Matt, and it's if I could only dress half as good as you do. I mean, it's why well, I, <laughs> I, I appreciate that, but <laughs> I, I I oftentimes. I oftentimes tell people that the, the terrible thing now is is because I have built up this um, reputation. It's kind of become an all-consuming beast, right? Because you can't uh, if I if I ever once don't have shoes that are flashy or that smack you in the face that has don't have some color to de- colorful design on it. I hear it from the players first, and then I hear it from the fans. So it's uh, I always have to make sure that I'm uh, I'm never bold and never boring. What um. What what got you started in in broadcasting? Because I think if I see correctly, at a, at a university you weren't working in TV. It was more uh, freelancing and stuff like that. What got you into broadcast TV? Uh, the the imperative of not having a job. I, I never wanted to be on TV. In fact, I went to school for journalism. Well, first went to school at the uh, at, at York, and I guess I, I always like to tell people my undergraduate was five years of being undeclared. And I ended up with, uh, I have no idea, but some, some degree in what they call professional writing. Don't ask me what it is because I couldn't tell you. <laughs> and when I got into um, Ryerson, I had no designs on being on TV. I wanted to be a writer, a long-form feature writer. And 
I ended up uh, doing several internships at the National Post. Then I worked at the CBC late uh, in their late night copy desk. Um, wow, funny enough, the Bill Kareem was actually working on what was then called the iDesk. Uh, kind of, a, he was a host not more than 10, 15 feet away from me while I was lifting copy late nights. And then I moved to the National Post when Mark Masters moved from covering the CFL for the Post to the um, uh, to, to covering the lease for TSN. And I always like to tell people, you know, truth be told, up until 2011, I had never watched a full CFL game. I was, I was a soccer guy who at the National Post did horse racing, figure skating, auto racing. Like I basically was the guy who had to be the jack of all trades. And right. when my editor came up to me and said, listen, you, we need a, a CFL reporter. I put my hand up and said, you've got a CFL reporter. And you know, over the next 18 months while I was working at the post, uh, well, you know, 13 to 15 months actually working at the post, I basically learned the league, learned who the movers and shakers were, watched the, the game obsessively. And, um, you know, you would think uh, all that hard work then led to me losing my job because they cut pages and in cutting pages uh, at the National Post, I was left, you know, with a very uh, troubling situation in my mid-20s, not knowing what I had to do. Not yeah. There weren't many writing jobs out there. And then I got uh, I got uh, a strange phone call and uh, from the um, from from TSN and actually saw an executive with TSN outside of the the hundredth hundredth Great Cup which I was working for for the CFL at the time and had a terrible screen test where I wore blue jeans and a blue button up and Batman chucks and called Rod Smith Rob Smith oh. and when uh, when I got the call that I was getting a six month contract I asked. TSN, um, the, some of their executives, what did you think? And they kind of just said, well, we would tell you, but we basically spent the whole time watching your screen test laughing. So a, I basically had a, uh, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you're kind of, again, as I said before, you, you're kind of thrown into the deep end and yeah. you have to become, you know, everything about TV is what you have to, you have to embrace. And, you know, it took a long time. I had a lot of bumps in the road, but I can tell you now that uh, live TV, live broadcasts, the CF, the being live on the sidelines, is um, some of my most favorite moments week to week to week from uh, the uh, from late spring into into the fall. So I'm uh, I, I, I I never I always tell young professionals, regardless of the uh, regardless of the profession, you never know where you're going to end up. You might have a dream, but the most important thing is to be versatile, be willing to collaborate, be prepared, and always be willing at a moment's notice to rethink what your dreams are. I will admit, I, I, we, you know, both Cliff and I watch you all the time on the broadcast on TSN, and you seem to be very prepared. One thing I wanted to ask first before we get to that prepared question is, like, which hurt most, Matthew? The uh, uh, getting told that they were laughing at your interview or dropping a pass on national TV? Well, you know, it's funny. It's, it's, I often tell, you know, it's, it's one of the things that time inevitably kind of heals wounds, I guess. But I... The, the way I am now on the sidelines can be traced all the way back to, you can search my name on YouTube and you'll find that I blew a live hit nine months into my time at TSN. It was the Leafs against the Penguins. Mm -hmm. And I, for whatever reason, whether I was cold or tired or whatever, I just was so out of it. And I blew a live hit on national TV. And when you're nine months into a job, you never thought you'd have, you get spooked by a moment like that. And so instead of getting, 
kind of being like, well, this is the end. I don't know if this is right for me. I kind of said, well, I can't go any lower than where I am right now. The best thing for me to do is make live TV the thing I love, which is why, you know, people talk about last year and dropping passes and Henry Burris uh, a year before that telling the panel to shove it. And um, sometimes some reactions to some of my questions that uh, some coaches have had. And and I just embraced the moment because the one thing that you realize – after you stop taking yourself too seriously is that I do have a very important job. We do a very important job as sportscasters. We're there to entertain people who have had long days, who have, um, uh, who, who, who are looking for a distraction, looking for entertainment, looking to be intrigued and interested in, in basically a late night viewing. And that's why I, I now, I kind of embrace those moments, those naturally occurring moments, uh, even like this year with uh, the Edmonton Eskimos and Mateo J and Duke Williams taking my microphone for a celebration, you know, it, it has to become a part of you. It has to become something you love doing. And, and really the fans and the viewers will know immediately if you're not passionate, you're not enjoying yourself because the camera never lies. I can tell you that from experience. And yeah. so what I do now is I make sure every moment of every broadcast, I try to when I'm on air, I try to show people whether I'm covering CFL, whether I'm covering the Olympics, whether I'm covering basketball, whether I'm covering the NFL, that I'm enjoying what I'm doing and then you can enjoy what's happening with me. Uh, Matt, with uh, being a sideline reporter, I think a lot of people have a sort of preconceived notion of what you actually do. But uh, what's the one thing that your typical viewer at home may not realize goes on behind the scenes or on the sidelines, if you will? Uh as, as part of your job goes like what's the one thing that people would be very shocked to find out that you you you're a part of on a, a game day basis i would tell you relationship building the value of it is so critical to what i do um i i watch my colleagues in the states uh whether doing nfl or nba and i see my colleagues up here whether they're you know cfl or, or doing the um or doing hockey and i always like to go ahead and, and think about where they got their information because relationship building is key. I oftentimes have young professionals and young journalists who love to shadow me. And they always tell me the thing that they never appreciate is how much, how valuable it is to build relationships. When I go into a CFL game and I'm on the sidelines, I shake the hand of almost everybody I see uh, because I'm trying to, you know, get to know them because in relationship building, you build trust and building trust, you grow uh, your reservoir of information. What I always see of sideline reporters greatest, ability to do is not to regurgitate stats for you because that's what they do in the booth and that's why they have a spotter and a statistician your job as a sideline reporter is to bring people to field level to show them and to articulate to them what is going on that they're not seeing and in, and in to articulate things that the general public or even other reporters aren't seeing is that relationship building and that takes years and years and years and years and Maybe the best um, advice I was ever given was I came to a, a CFL game when I was younger with, uh, you know, made my first year with a, a bunch of stories that I had either accumulated in practice throughout the week and or had, had, had read from some of my fellow colleagues. And the, the producer at the time, uh, Mitch Kersner, said to me, that's great that you have these, but I'm going to tell, tell you something. These don't mean anything to me. Now you have two hours before the game. Go find me four good stories. And that was probably the best advice I could have received at that time at a young age because it reminded me, okay, I've got, I've got two hours before a game starts to talk to players, to talk to league officials, to talk to officials on, on each team. And as time goes on, most players, if you engage them, will start engaging you and they'll come to you. And many, you know, very often, you know, for example, I'll go into a game in two weeks in Winnipeg 
and I'll do some preparation the night before, but I know when I go there, I will spend the, the two, three hours before the game talking to people around both clubs, and I will get the stories and the information I'll need for the broadcast. And right. That takes so much time and trust, and it, you need patience, because as you're building patience with people, you're learning different how to respond to different personalities. You're learning how to respond to different people because some people like you to walk up to them. Some people don't. Some people will tell you something. Um, if you ask the right question, some people are just willing to go ahead and, and spill the beans, you know, because they like your company and they, and they like seeing you and want to want to talk to you about stuff. Yeah. It is always important for a reporter and especially a side run reporter who's, who's on live TV to immerse the audience in what they're doing. And the best way to immerse the audience is to give them information as close as you can from the people and the players and the staff involved. Talk to us about uh, preparing for a game. Like as far as when you get your assignment, okay, you're going to be broadcasting, say Montreal, Toronto on Saturday from that moment. Could you sort of walk us through what you go through as far as getting prepared for that game, as far as, uh, like you said, you wanting to deliver the information to the viewers and and that. Could you kind of walk us through that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So that's going to be a unique situation because it's it's one. It, this weekend, you know, I will start first. I, I I will travel to Ottawa on Thursday, Friday. I have the game, which is obviously a critical game between the Ticats and the and the Red Blacks. Um, which a lot of my preparation I'll be able to do the night before because I will have done production interviews the uh, you know Thursday the day before the game. I'm not given that kind of luxury on uh on a game like the argos owls game because i literally will be flying in the day of the game so i'll tend to go ahead and 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 always go in with a with a list of people i need to talk to because once i get to the stadium the game would be just after four o'clock which means i'll probably get to the stadium one thirty quarter you know quarter to two at the latest two o'clock so i will accumulate a list of people i need to speak to um and, you know, to give you an example, I will go in with a certain understanding of what the stats are from the previous game. I will have rewatched key moments from, from both teams' previous games. And I will go in knowing that, okay, I want to talk to James Franklin. And I want to talk to James Franklin because I want to understand what he's expecting out of himself in this last two weeks, now knowing the Argos are out of it and knowing that in 2019, so many quarterbacks are in play. And does he see himself as the starting quarterback of the Toronto Argonauts? On the flip side, you know, I, 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 even though I've covered Johnny Manziel quite a bit, I haven't had a chance really on the sidelines to talk to Johnny because a lot, typically a lot of NCAA and uh, NFL players when they come up here, when they see me walking around the sidelines, they're kind of shocked because they don't, they don't, they're not used to uh, reporters walking all over the field like I do. So I'll tend to leave Manziel alone, but I might go talk to Kahari Jones. John Liu had a great, hit last week about Johnny Manziel and the grip he has on the football um, in terms of when he, how he's learned to throw Canadian football. Well, for me, what I'm tending to see a lot more now is I, I'm looking at Johnny Manziel's footwork. He has, over the course of the last six, seven weeks, learned to turn to um, really utilize his base and stability. So I want to talk to Kahari Jones about making sure that Menzel has a strong base when he's in the pocket, when he's going through his progressions. Because I see my job with, with in particular, two of these quarterbacks, James Franklin and Johnny Menzel, we're looking at the next step of where they want to go. And, and while Dwayne Ford, and I typically like to do this, I like to play off of the what's going on in the broadcast. So I know going into the broadcast that Rod Black and Dwayne Ford will be discussing the mechanics of both quarterbacks, maybe more on the mental side with James Franklin, and more on the mechanic side of Johnny Menzel as he continues to improve playing the Canadian game. So for me, I want to go ahead and offer hits that I can kind of make it, the the broadcast in terms of storylines yeah. appear like an ongoing conversation. That's important to me. 
I always think that sideline hits are more tangible to viewers when it sounds like um, what we're talking about is just a continuation of the major storylines. And really, the, the two biggest storylines going into this weekend um, are the quarterbacks, in particular, what is going to happen with um, uh, Mandel and uh, James Franklin, but also on the flip side, both of the futures of both of these teams. And to that point, if I can talk to Cavis Reed, I will, in terms of where he sees what's going on with Mike Sherman and the coaching staff and even his own job, as the Owls not only look to you know, finally try to build some stability in 2019 with a brand new uniform, obviously, that we saw this week, but also you look at the flip side of the Argos. Jim Pop has some big decisions to make, and so maybe does Mark Trestman. I, don't, I think there is a growing um, understanding that maybe this third year and what was supposed to be Pop Trestman's building of a, of, of, a, of a strong culture here has taken a huge hit this season coming off of a spectacular great cup wing. So I'm looking at the future of both clubs in terms of their head coach and their structure, but more specifically, I'm looking at the quarterbacks. Where is James Franklin's mentality and how does Johnny Menzel's, how are Johnny Menzel's mechanics improving? Nice. Now it's funny. You bring up the uniforms. The other would surprise everybody here in Montreal by releasing some teasers, whether it be in the, uh, one of the local dailies or at the uh, Montreal uh, McGill Metro station. Um, but uh, you tipped us off about some information that a lot of fans and Alouette fans, and maybe fans from across the CFL, did not know. There's a lot more to, to just these jersey pictures that were released just on Monday. Yeah, listen, the, the, this jersey has been something that's been cooking with the Montreal Alouettes for a while. And I think whether you want to credit Bob, uh, you know, the Wetnall family and or Cavis Reed, uh, I think the fact is they, this, these jerseys were supposed to go ahead and represent a culture change in the Montreal Alouettes, to be, to be frank. Things have been on a descending path for quite a while. And I think for everyone, as much as we talk about the problems with the Argos in BC, it probably hurts people the most looking, looking at what's happened with the Montreal Alouettes because uh, I think uh, myself in those early years covering the league in 11, 12, and 13, mm-hmm. uh, and many of those who have watched the league for the last 18 years, one of the great joys of watching the CFL was watching the absolute party atmosphere that would be at Percival Molson Stadium. And, and to see that kind of be tepid and stagnate and even decrease over the last couple of years has been frustrating. So uh, it, 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 it does seem as if this team needs a new, I won't say a new coat of paint, but maybe a new approach in, in trying to establish a new culture change. We were tipped off at the CFL and TSM that the uh, kind of the approach and the building of toward this culture change was going to be illustrated by some of the emblems that were put on the helmets, really going from the 1950s all the way through uh, to uh, that to that very what became an iconic Al's A logo. You know, during the time of early on with Tracy Hamm and Anthony Calville and Ben Cahoon and um, and 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 that those teams that went back to back Great Cups under Mark Tressman and Jim Pop. Right. But we were also told that had the Lalouettes gone ahead and been competitive, pushing for a playoff spot over 500 um, or even any semblance of uh, competitiveness that they were in fact going to release this whole new concept um, uh, probably sometime in early October. Now that again was all contingent upon how the team was doing. Right. Uh, it is, it is unfortunate that, you know, the team has, has notwithstanding the excitement possibly generated by the, by the incoming of Johnny Manziel and his own education in the CFL, it's it's disappointing that they weren't able to do that, uh, but these jerseys uh, hopefully will usher in kind of this new understanding of where the Owls are going. I do 
having spent some time covering the Owls uh, this season, especially, you know, there was a pocket of time I was in Montreal covering practice day to day. I, I have enough, I have nothing but respect for, for Mike Sherman in, in his attempt to try to learn this game and try to recapture some of the aura of what the Alouettes used to be. Right. Um, it is a lot of work that goes into not just putting new, new um, flashy uh, jerseys on players. This has to go to what they want the culture to be and who they want the quarterback to be. Because as much as Johnny Manziel is, is the quarterback of, of 2019 right now, uh, I think there needs to be this un- unwavering sense of commitment by everyone involved saying, we're taking this, this season as a step towards something brighter. Uh, and I think, sure, they, the jerseys themselves are a nice illustration of that. But I, I hope, because I too want there to be, especially if Halifax were to come in, I do want a really strong Eastern Division. Right. And I want a strong Eastern Division, not only to, to finally quiet all, you know, all those people like my qual- colleague Dwayne Ford who want one division in the CFL, but I want to be able to cover games at Percival Molson Stadium and, and experience, and I haven't yet been able to experience that what, what used to be a, a, a festival, carnival, energetic atmosphere, whether it's New Jersey's or old. Right, and I, I will admit, Matt, you've, you've, once it gets to that actual point, the days of the, before the expansion, before, you know, and even just after the expansion, those sold-out crowds, 100 sell-out crowds and whatnot, you know, I still think personal Molson one of the best places to be in the CFL, but I, I agree with you. 16,000 people just doesn't handle it in a city that, in a stadium that should hold anywhere, you know, 25,000. So it's nice to see that there was a method to the madness for their Roots to Wings uh, promotion this year. Um, Is there anything that you can say that you may have seen that the Owls have not put out yet and that may fans may be uh, wanting to look forward to once they start teasing it a little bit more? Uh, In terms of the jerseys, I can tell you I have seen the entire jersey concept. I can, I, I can tell you that I've seen what the jersey looks like uh, head to toe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's unlike anything you've ever seen in the CFL. It's, it's, it, and it really is, it's, I think, very emblematic of the city. Flashy, sleek, flamboyant, um, but also this, the, 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 there's this class to it, too. It's when seeing some of the players who have worn the jersey and some of the concept, uh, concept pieces that we were shown and what it's, it just—it's it, a kind of jersey you want to put on. You want to put on that helmet, which listen is sometimes half the battle. Um, I can tell you this from the players' perspective: those across the league, they—it's not like people don't. It's not like players don't want to live in Montreal. Right. I mean, take a look at John Bowman and, and Chip Cox. But John Bowman, you know, for example, you know, one of the last remnants of those great Alouettes teams. He loves Montreal. He absolutely, you know, he, he's a part of the city, wants to be a part of the city. I know, I, I believe he owns property in the city. He, he wants, he loves being there. And that's because when he was there, as you mentioned, he was part of those 100 sellout crowds. Yeah. Like he, was, he was there when, when you couldn't get a seat and 25,000 people were there. And listen, I, I have been at personal Molson for one playoff game when they shellacked the BC Lions back in 2014, 15, I think, uh, 2014. And it was loud. Yeah. Like it was, and even there, there was only 18, 19,000 people in there and it wasn't a sellout. So I imagine if you get to that point, um, Montreal for whatever it's worth, sure. They'll love a winner, but Montreal loves to be entertained. They, they, they want to know that their team is going to entertain them. It hasn't been the case over the last four or five seasons, but um, you, you hope that uh, the wet uh, but a particular Cavus Reed 
you like to think they have their their heads and hearts in the right places and that this is that the new jerseys the new makeup is only a an indication of how good this team can become uh, do i dare ask there's not going to be a, a monochrome one color uh uniform is there no it's it's it, it's it, there, there is not. Uh, believe me, it, there is no monochrome one color uniform. Thank God. So you, as a, a fashion guru, you're going to give it, give it a thumbs up from what you've seen. Yeah, I'll give it a thumbs up from what I've seen. I mean, I don't know how it would look in a pair of chucks, but uh, I'm going <laughs> to give it from what I've seen. From what I've seen, I'm, uh, I'm, I, I, if I was an Alouette fan, I'd be, uh, I'd be quite pleased with what, with the way it looks. We know you're on a, a tight schedule now. We really appreciate the extra time that you've given us, Matt. Before we let you go. Uh, how do, if they don't know already, and they should, but if they don't know already, where can they find you on social media? Uh, my Instagram is TSN underscore Shinetti. Uh, and for those who don't know how to spell that, that is S-C-I-A-N-I-T-T-I. And uh, on Twitter, it's at TSN Shinetti, one word. Um, but yeah, I, I always enjoy interacting with fans on, on social media. I always enjoy uh, the, the ribbing I get from people, um, because at the end of the day, really, we're only covering football here. We're in, in the way the world is at this moment. Um, the whole point of, of sports is really to bring people together under something we can all really enjoy and agree upon, which is a good game and fun on the sidelines or fun as you're watching it from home uh, really is uh, so important in, in kind of just helping everybody relax and bring people together. When you're able to get a, a guy like Matt on the show, it is always a great time. And uh, it's the first time I've, I've spoken to, inter- we've been able, able to interview Matt. And uh, as we mentioned before, greatly appreciated that he came on the show, especially on such short notice. Um, the, the dude is a, uh, uh, God, it's so much so much insight in not only in the CFL, but in, in, in sports in itself, right? Oh, without question, just an absolutely great uh, guy to sit and talk with. Uh, you can tell he's excited. He's he's tell he's engaged with the product. And I, I tell you what, I mean, like you just think of him as a side line reporter. No way, folks. There's there's a a lot more to this. So I mean, definitely get on social media, get talking with him. He wants to talk to you. He wants to interact with you. So get on that. And again, thank you so much again, Matthew, for joining us. Uh, absolutely a blast and I, I say this all the time but you're always welcome back on the flight deck whenever you want and now uh, we have to at least mention it now that uh, what he mentioned in the in the broadcast very interesting to hear that the alouettes were looking to slowly roll out the new jerseys that were just teased this past week if the alouettes had done better so it looked like there was more to the roots to wings uh campaign that the alouettes did this year from all the you know, the helmets that they had going through each of the different, uh, you know, iterations of the team itself and all the different decades. Very interesting information that to, see, to hear that this was something that's been in the works for a lot longer than we actually expected. Yeah, and I, I think it would have been a, a very natural progression from the past into what looks to become, I guess, now the new era for the Montreal Alouettes. So, uh, no pun intended. Uh <sighs> <laughs> all right all right you got me you got me <laughs> that was totally unintentional by i the know way. i know <laughs> it works right yeah so, yeah uh but yeah it's just uh and, and perhaps it's just as well that maybe the way, with the way this season has turned out for the alouettes obviously this was not what anyone who supports the alouettes had hoped for but mm-hmm. now i guess you, you in an attempt to turn a negative into a positive 
now we've got something new to look forward to. And I guess if this is just step one of the the you know the the regenesis, if you will, of the uh, the Montreal Alouettes. I mean, that's this now is going to give people a lot to talk about and a lot to think about too. And come February when free agency hits, I wonder. I don't. I don't think a team's a player's not going to sign with a, a team just because they got snazzy uniforms. But if you're able to show and prove to these uh, potential free agents that listen, we're on we're on the we're on the the path towards something bigger than what you expect out of the Montreal Alouettes. Right. Do you want to be a part of that? I think a lot of players would sort of look at that and say, you know what? I do want to be a part of that. I want to not only just wear that cool new uniform, but I want to be part of something bigger. I want to be part of a new era, a new beginning, so to speak, for the Montreal Alouettes. And I think that would appeal a lot more than most people would actually give it a credit for. So, Again, how how can we not be excited about this? How can we not look at the potential of this and say, "Damn, we we're, we got to get back on board for this." And I, I sincerely hope that this is really going to get people talking. And as this ramps up, I mean, what better way to sort of help forget about what a terrible past few years this has been than with the potential of a brand new beginning? And all, all it took was just tweeting out a, or sending out a couple of photos, really, of you know, what looked to be new uniforms. It's it's funny how just something simple like that can sort of get the ball rolling, Uh get the fire started. Yeah, exactly. Um, Again, still don't know about the helmets. I'm still, I said, I'm stoked. I'm stoked. It's funny, you know, it's, uh, but I'm the type of guy, I think you are too, as I mentioned before in the first segment, we're we're the type of guys who like this uniform type of thing and and it it piques our interest. For some of the, you know, for for regular, uh, regular Joe Al's fan, they may not be the exact same way. It's it maybe it's just wins and losses, which I get. But mm-hmm. you know, if if this works out, this could be a marketing coup for the Owls. Not you know, it's funny to say for the Owls because the Owls were did so poorly so far through this year. For them to push this back to February and to make more of it, it may actually be probably one of the, maybe one of the best marketing things that they've done. So more yeah. marketing though next week. More marketing, according to according to information I have, that the Alouettes are going to be releasing uh, the new, you know, 2019 seating and ticket prices, and I am hoping to get a, a conversation for Cliff and I uh, with somebody from the Alouettes to talk about the upcoming information, uh, what's going to be uh, released, and f- try to find out what's there for 2019. So, um, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Mm-hmm. So we got the we got the Argos this week. Um, as I said before, it's, I think if we can, I think if we're able to at least get over the hump, get that, get that fourth win and to, you know, just continue from there. Uh, it's funny, the, these next two games really are looking well for the Alouettes to possibly get their fourth and get their fifth wins of the season. And it's kind of funny because we'd be facing a very familiar foe in the Toronto Argonauts, who is one of those three wins for the Alouettes in 2018. Uh, and again, so many former Alouettes are still a very big part of the Toronto Argonauts that, yeah, you, it almost feels like a, a mirror game, if you will, like you're playing, almost playing yourself a little bit. But uh, I, I'm really curious to see just at this point, like both teams have nothing to lose. No. Really, truly. I mean, they're, they're neither team's going to the playoffs. Neither team's going to have a positive record. I mean, it's as about as bleak as you can get 
on paper for both of these uh, franchises. So I'm really curious to see what's going to happen. Do they just stay the hell with it and they just ball out completely? Just try some new stuff and just see where it goes? Or do they just accept their mediocrity and just kind of go through the motions and just try to get out of the season alive, really? So it's going to be an interesting... An interesting tilt, the next two games. And it's a home and home series, too, when yeah. you think about it. Yeah. So that's going to be fairly interesting as well. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm really curious to see what uh, what's going to happen. I, I think it's either going to be some really entertaining football or it's just going to be a complete and utter train wreck. And I guess I'm kind of excited to find out which one it's going to be. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's uh, as I said, you know, with nothing to, to, you know, being out of the playoffs for the fourth straight year, uh, it's now is the time that they could be able to try some things. And um, for, hey, for all we know, we're going to see some high scoring games. You know, again, I think the Alouettes need to score 30 points in order to win. Um, you know, I think one of the other things, too, which I forgot to mention last week, but I happen to mention it on social media, is that the Alouettes. I'm sure they don't want to lose this game, Cliff, because they don't want to fall under 500 for their career in wins and losses. Um, you know, because right now the, the Alouettes are right at 500. Unless, I know percentage-wise, yes, if you add in the percentage-wise, they're already technically is under 500. But for for you know for numbers' sake, they're right at 500 when it comes to their wins and losses. So it's you know, as I said, build on something. They have a chance. Um, you know the Alouettes need still need to shore up their their O line because they are still giving up way too many sacks, <laughs> way too many sacks. Um, it's just a matter of trying to, you know, they have 59, 59 sacks that they've given up through last week. Uh, Toronto has only given up twenty eight. But as I said, if they shore things up, get penalties under control. You know, let's not get anywhere near the possibility of of breaking that team record for most sacks given up in a season. Let's no. let's try to stay away from it because if they think at at again at 59, 59 total now, and they're giving up six a game, if that's the case, then they would either come come close to tying that or, or breaking that. So, and hmm. and what I'd like to see is some new faces in the lineup. So let's see what we've got with some of these guys and gives them some honest to goodness reps because as we stated, like. Next three games are basically think of it as another training camp, if you will. Like let's let's see what some of these young guys what they have to offer. You know what you got with certain players, and you don't want to risk them getting hurt, uh, especially if they're about to become free agents, and if they actually are going to be kept from for 2019 and and beyond. At this point, let's let's have some fun. Let's just throw stuff against the wall and see what sticks. As far as what kind of depth you have, yeah. because. There's a lot of really great players on the practice roster, potentially. Give them a shot. Let's let's see what we can do. We know what uh, certain players can do, uh, certain older players that uh, maybe don't want to potentially end their Alouettes run on the injured list. At the same time, why not sort of lead the way for the younger players to come in and kind of show what they've got? So yeah. to me, if, if I'm, I'm this coaching staff, I want to know what I have, especially going into free agency and, and beyond. I want to see who's who I've got and who basically is going to become expendable and who needs to be who needs to stay with the team, who needs to be let go, who may end up leaving as as a result of retirement or free agency. I want to see what I've got in the ranks. I want to see what I've got in the war chest as far as weapons go. Mm-hmm. So this these games are the chance to do it because 
it's not going to affect the standings. I mean, like I said, you're 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 not going to the Grey Cup playoffs. No, but you're, you're fighting for third. That's the thing, and I think that's one of the things that that the Alouettes, I think, are. Uh, I think they've put in. Hopefully, that they've put into their heads, and also the uh, that that um, uh, what was it? The cartoon, and I don't know if anybody saw because I actually tweeted it out. The cartoon that was that was basically throwing major shade at the Alouettes. Um, I would hope that they would use something like that as bulletin board material. Uh, I really would. It's like do something, dude. You know. And I'll read it here. It was it was uh, by Keith Knight. It's called uh, "The Knight's Life," uh, and it, it's reading uh, due to de- uh, declining ratings and lower participation. The NFL has struck a deal with uh, the White House to make the NFL draft mandatory. The, those who refuse to register for the draft will be fined and placed in federal prison. Those who move to Canada to avoid the NFL draft will be forced to play for the Montreal Alouettes. And then you hear, which he goes, which is far worse than Buffalo. So <laughs> it, it's a slight. It's a huge slight. And it's obviously it is the state of what the Alouettes are, have been for the past four years. It is. But we just, uh... that's something I would hope that they would use as bulletin board material. Something. Well, just have just a little bit of pride in your team, your squad, and really yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, like we've become the laughing stock of the Canadian Football League, and it sucks. I mean, quite frankly, it, it's not fun. It's it, there's no joy to be found in that, and it, it can't be any any better for the players. Yes, they are getting paid a a good salary to essentially play to get play a game, but. There comes a point where you have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, you know what? I'm better than this. I'm better than what people are saying I am. And it's time to show it. And I would hope that this team has that in them, that 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 sort of intestinal fortitude to just do better and be better, too. I mean, again, if God forbid the Alouettes win their next three games, they'll be 6-12. and 12. I mean, still not anything to write home about. But, but it'd be one off what you projected. Th- this is true. And again, you'd also be uh, twice as good as you were last year. That's so right, I mean, yeah. uh, so again, if, if that's not some kind of motivation, I mean, at this point, I don't know what else what else you can say or do to 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 motivate to rally these guys. Yeah. But I just hope that they would have it inside themselves to say, you know what, I'm going to go out there and give everything I've got. I want to prove that I belong on this team. I want to be a part of, as I said, this uh, this new beginning. I want to prove that I belong. I, I want to prove that I am mm-hmm. 100% a Montreal Alouette. Yeah. And it's games like this that you're going to have to show that. Yeah. And I, I sincerely hope that those guys, as you said, use use things like that. Use like that cartoon or uh, the, the, the negative stuff you see on social media. I hope they use that. Like they use that as bulletin board material to, you know, kind of light a fire under them themselves and just. Go out there and kick some ass for crying out loud. And I understand that some some you know some of the players would say, I'm sure that we don't need something to 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 motivate us. Hey, any extra bit of motivation can work, right? Um, the the one of the few pods I I happen to mention that the Alouettes had 59 sacks allowed this year. The the positive for this for the Alouettes going into the Toronto game is Toronto has 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 only had a season. Uh, uh, sorry, a um, a league low 19 sacks made. 19 Yeesh. that and that's you know that that looks that bodes well for the owls at least in this case it's just a matter you got to do stuff with it you know what frustrates me is that i understand what they're trying seem to be getting their running game going a little bit more with with stand back and whatnot but seeing our former running back you know terrell sutton get all oh, what he get what he get 22 
22 uh, 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 rushing attempts for over 100 yards in his first game with the with the BC Lions. And a pair of touchdowns. And a pair of touchdowns. So it's... R- running the ball. What a concept. Yeah. Haven't haven't we been talking about this all season? Like, I feel like a broken record, but I mean, we've talked about how important it is to run the ball. It's amazing that a team like the BC Lions, who actually have a half decent quarterback, have figured this out. And their offensive line hasn't been, it's been more hit or miss all season long. But you know what? Maybe it was a fluke, but against a, a very good Calgary team, you're still able to ground and pound against these guys. And I'm pretty sure Calgary is very much in prevent mode because the last thing they want to do is risk any sort of major injuries before the Grey Cup playoffs. But my word, I mean, like BC went in there and they played their asses off. Yeah. And and Suddy, you knew Suddy. <laughs> it doesn't take much to light that guy, uh, light the light a fire under him because uh-huh. man, he, he's just he's has always seems to have a major chip on his shoulder. And I'm pretty sure there's a big part of him that just wanted to take that performance and just throw it in the face of the Alouettes. And I don't blame him. I don't blame him because how many times have we said he was woefully underused and look what he does. Like maybe, maybe it's a fluke. Maybe it was just right place at the right time. But I tell you what, that's the Tyrell Sutton that we knew and loved here in Montreal. Yeah, let, this, let, let's that see, we saw. I want to see Stanbeck run wild to see Johnny Manziel throw some touchdowns. Um, currently when we're taping the show on Wednesday, the, the line on five dimes currently has the Argos favored uh, by four and a half points. Uh, and with an over under of fifty, that's uh, that I'm surprised. Fifty points, I'm actually very surprised about, considering what the Alouettes are averaging this year in points per game. I'm very surprised that the, the over under is at fifty points. <laughs> I really am. <laughs> well, Toronto has still been able to find the end zone numerous times, so maybe they're thinking it's going to be like forty to ten for the Argos. Well, not not they're saying the Argos are favored by only four and a half points. Mm. You know what I mean? Uh, no, I, I, I know what you're saying entirely, but I mean, I'm talking about as far as offenses go. I mean, Montreal's offense has just been, well, pitiful this season, whereas Toronto, they lose, but they still manage to put points on the board. They still manage to find the end zone. So, uh, man, I, I'm i really curious to see what it's going to be like on uh, on Saturday to see what kind of, uh, kind of game we're going to get against both these teams, which in theory have nothing but pride to play for. So I guess yeah. we're going to see just who wants it the most. And if the former Alouettes that are now on the Argos, if they still have that sort of drive and desire to want to show up the Alouettes organization themselves. Um, see, I'm doing the quick math here. So the Argos score 21.6 points per game this season, and the Alouettes an a dismal 16.9, which I'd have to go back and check. I think would that be... Would that beat beat last year's disgusting total? <laughs> I'm trying to remember if that would would that beat last year's total? Uh, not by much, but I think it would. Check here because I think they're they're on pace to setting a team record, which is which is just pathetic. It's it just it's just so frustrating, and and it just, it just really is. Um, yeah, the Aver- the Alouettes scored 314 last year, Cliff, and averaged 17.4 per game. Yep. So, so Cliff, what what does the uh, what do you see that the Alouettes have to do in order in order to win this game and get, and start this head 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 home and home series off on the right uh, foot? I think really you just got to take advantage of where Toronto is right now. They just seem 
a little bit lost. I, I think with the quarterback situation in Toronto right now, uh, you've got James Franklin and you've got McLeod Bethel Thompson doing their best to try and replace Ricky Ray and quite frankly, failing miserably at it. I don't know if that comes down to coaching, if it comes down to play calling or what exactly, but uh, these quarterbacks are not really getting it done. So Montreal really has to take advantage of that. Uh, we got to see Johnny Manziel come out and be that Johnny Manziel that he was against the Rough Riders. I mean, yeah. it, you, you got to be able to throw, you got to be able to run, you got to be able to make exciting plays happen. And I think that's one of those things that you're just going to have to try and catch the Argos napping. Uh, their defense has been very suspect, uh, whereas Montreal's defense has been very hot and cold. Uh, God willing, this is the the week that they get hot and maybe stay a little bit hot. I think for that, I think you're just going to have to really just try to shock everybody by just people are expecting this game to be just an absolute dud. And if you come out with some exciting plays right off the bat, like just get hot and stay hot right away and just maintain that momentum and just force Toronto to play your game. Essentially. I think that's right. going to be really key more than anything else for Montreal. Uh, and, and as I've said, you've got to go in with that mentality that, you know what? Yeah, we're not going to make the playoffs. We're not going to do any of that. The hell with it. Just let's just throw it out there and let's have some fun. And I, I think that's got to be the best way to look at it. You got to go out with that attitude and just say the hell with everything and just go balls to the wall, quite frankly. Yeah. I think the main thing for me, like it has been for most of the season, the, the O-line needs to be shored up a little bit. Keep Johnny upright. Uh, as I said, the Alouettes have a good, I think they have a good chance with this game, considering that uh, Toronto, I think, is at, uh, at franchise franchise lows when it comes to uh, getting sacks per uh, uh, for the entire season. So, um I, I, that's the big thing. Continue with the, you know, you got to throw in uh, the running back, uh, the running situation. Uh, you know, keep that running game going because if you mix in just enough, uh, you can do what you did versus Toronto early in the year and get that win. You know, so it's, hey, it's one step at a time. You know, it's, it's funny how, how positive we can be with a team that's currently, you know, has won only, you know, uh, you know three games this year. You know, six over the past, six over the past two. So it, it, it's not been easy. There's no question about that. But I mean, as I said, there's there is potential there. It's just a matter of taking what little potential you have and using it properly. And to me, that's going to be key. And I think, like I said, this game has potential to be still a very fun game for both with both teams involved. Or it's going to be a complete and utter train wreck. And I, I, I wish I could. I almost don't care, quite frankly. I just want to see something interesting happen on Saturday. And I'm prepared for both scenarios, both ends of the spectrum. So I guess we'll uh, I guess we'll see what happens in that case. Yeah, that's true. Uh, do not forget that we are on many places on social media. Uh, you can head over to our Twitter account that is over at Alouette's FL Deck. You can head over to our Facebook page over at uh, Facebook.com slash Alouette's Flight Deck or just search for Alouette's Flight Deck. Also, if you want to listen to the entire archive of the entire uh, two-plus seasons of the Alouette's Flight Deck, then you can do so at multiple places. You can go over to the best place to probably is over at alouettesflightdeck.ca. Uh, if not, you, there are other places on the different uh, podcast aggregates. You can head over to, uh, to iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, or Spotify. Um, just want to mention to Cliff that for anybody who haven't been checking with social media that this week that the Alouette's Boutique is a warehouse is going to be opened up uh, over in St. Patrick and they are running a, uh, 
uh, they're running a special cliff where if you buy one item, you get the second item for half off. Nice. So, I tell you what, folks. I mean, I, I I know maybe maybe buying new merch isn't exactly the right thing to do, considering uh, this um, rebranding may be taking place. So I can understand why. But you know what? You still got to support your team. You still got to show. You still got to show your colors, show your pride, all that stuff. So, and they got some really cool stuff down at the the warehouse. So, if you get a chance, head on over Friday, check it out. And uh, I, I tell you what, they yeah, you, you still got a chance to get some decent swag. I'd say go ahead and do it. Yep, yeah, and uh, they're open from three to eight, I think. Yep, yeah, three to eight, and they they will be open up one more time also during the uh, during the regular season. I think it's it's the uh is it next week or the week after i'm trying to look at the dates here they'll be open on the 26th also i don't know if they're gonna be open up in november but uh head over to the alouettes um uh, boutique website for more information um anything else i know the alouettes have a few things that they've announced for uh for the uh, fan appreciation day for their home uh, home finale um, i'm sure more information will come up with that they're talking they're, they're promoting hundreds of gifts available that's uh, that's piqued my interest, but we, we can actually we'll talk about that more. So, and also, folks, uh, please don't forget uh, we are being nominated for a Twitter award oh, yeah. for for uh, best podcast account, uh, along with uh, many of the other great podcasts that are part of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. But uh, please, folks, uh, we definitely appreciate all your support. Uh, if you have any questions, concerns about how to nominate us, how to vote for us, uh, just head on over to the actual Alouettes Flight Deck Twitter page. Once again, it's at Alouettes FL Deck. If you look at the pinned tweet there, it'll show you all the instructions on how to continue to nominate us because apparently nominations are still important. And just like even though we've more or less been confirmed as a finalist for the Best Podcast Account Award, we still need as much support. We still need everybody out there just doing their thing on Twitter and just showing the love. So, I mean, if you can keep doing that for us, folks, we would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Yeah, I agree. And from what I've seen, they're changing up slightly this year, but I agreed every, every, uh, every vote and every nomination does count. And, uh, uh, we'll let you when you when you need to to vote for us, and hopefully we can get far in this. Oh, what do I dare say? Tournament now should be should be very interesting. So, um, so uh, we will be back next week to talk about what happened between the Alouettes and Argos, and also to talk about the home finale for the 2018 season. So for everybody here at the Alouettes Flight Deck for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. We're on final approach. Take off! Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.